Am I going to be a criminal or a lady criminal? Because those are two very different things. We'll just try a couple of different reads on it. Okay, cool. So uh, let's start with you being a criminal. Mm. Well, hello there, see? <laughs> you want to know how I got these, these scars? scars. <laughs> okay, okay, good, 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 good. That's one read. Now let's try with you being a lady criminal. Well, hello there. My name is Kirsty. See, I know you're going for husky, but it has like much more of a serial killer vibe to it. <laughs> Do you have any other types of criminals besides normal and lady? Look, I'm not entirely sure I did normal or lady. What have you tried doing a normal lady voice? Oh my god, that's just like my voice. <laughs> I said normal lady. <laughs> Hello, my name is Jim. Hi, my name is Kirsty. And we're trying to Escape, Escape Hamilton. Hamilton. And this time, it's time for crime. Yeah! Because crime does pay. Yeah! Crime pays at least $1.6 million. <laughs> okay, so who's this? This is the child criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Hey there, child criminal. What's up, motherfucker? <laughs> oh, that's a very strong language. How old are you? I'm five and a half. <laughs> you got any gin? Yeah, yeah, I do. Do you want some gin? Here, let me just pour some for you. Thanks. What about some chew? Yeah, absolutely. I've got some. Do you want chewing tobacco or chewing cocaine? I like to chew both. I call it grey. Oh, okay. And tell me about some of the crimes that you've done. I held up a bank Uh and I took 16 old ladies hostage because they have driver's licenses, but I can still overpower them, see? (laughs) Well, thank you for stopping by. By the way, have you seen my wallet? I took your wallet and your wife. Oh, no, come back. Come back. That's my wife. It's okay, Jim. I bribed the kid with some Fortnite merch. Oh, sick. You've got Fortnite merch. Not anymore. He took it all. Oh. Well, thank you for stopping by, child criminal. Shame you couldn't have been with us while we were doing the escape room we did today, because we went back to Escapist Entertainment to try their room heist. I think I'm saying that right, because the S in heist is a dollar sign, mm. so... Hey, dollart. I, I think both are correct. Which is where we get the word hydolatry. Which is another type of crime that was uh, unpopular in biblical times. But for the sake of convenience, we're going to go with heist. Yes. Because that's probably what it's actually called. Yes. And we were just being, we were just having a little fun. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, everyone. We we like to have a little bit of fun here. We're, we're pretty wacky. Yeah, yeah. We get up to all sorts of hijinks. Um, so heist. Heist is not a traditional escape room. No. You can play it multiple times. I think it's been designed to be played multiple times. Yes. The object is not to escape, but to get as much money as you can. Yes. Hmm. 
from a bank vault. Well, how about you explain the story of Heist and I will sing the music from Ocean's Eleven underneath you. Sure. Okay, see, your cousin Nicky, see, he's been in deep with the Russian mob, see, and he's showed up on your doorstep crying. He's crying his eyes out. He's like, you gotta help me. You gotta help your cousin Nicky. I'm dying here. You gotta, you gotta go to the bank and you gotta get this money so that I can pay off the Russian mob. And so you get in his van and his van is full of all this tech, see. It's got screens, it's got satellites, it's got microphones. He pulls up outside the bank and he's like, oh no, I'm not coming with you see i'm your man on the inside i'm gonna keep an eye on you from this man see and you're gonna get as much money as you can so i can play off the russian mob see and so you go to the bank and there's no lights on and you don't know what to do and then you hear nikki's voice in your ears and he's like first you gotta turn on the lights so I only remembered a very little bit of the Ocean's Eleven music, and I thought you were going to do just a sort of short one-sentence summary. So what I was saying is it ended up not being the Ocean's Eleven music. And the reason I sang it rather than playing it underneath it was so that we didn't get sued, but now I think they're going to sue us for defamation for implying that the music was... Um... I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen and esteemed others. I got a bit carried away. <laughs> well, so before we go in, there is a, a, a monologue that presents the backstory. And like with the last room we did at Escapist, there's a, a really lovely sort of narrative mm. component to it rather than just the context of why you're going into this room. There's a sort of they go out of their way to make sure that there's a narrative justification that you have your motivation for being there. Mm, mm. And... um. This one, there, there was a very long out-of-world briefing and then quite a short in-world briefing where you heard the story of Nikki and the Russian mob and the van and the bank. And I have to say, I forgot everything in the out-of-world briefing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think because it's different from most escape rooms, they had to do the double job of explaining how, like the safety rules of doing an escape room like mm. don't force things if they don't come open easily yes. don't climb stuff while also explaining that the room's been designed so that it's not sort of a, a linear progression of do this to open that to open that and then you escape that there's just sort of lots and lots of puzzles and it's up to you how many you solve mm. in the hour mm. And so all the things that they were saying were good advice, and I wish that I'd remembered some of it when we were in the room. Yes. Um, but then adding the story on the end, I was like, oh, cool story, great, I'm going to remember this. Yes. Um, and then it, and then that sort of flushed everything else out yeah. of my mind. Yeah. My mind has gone blank right now, in fact. Which is a good opportunity for us to talk about the replayability, because... It's been designed so that you can come back a number of times, perhaps with more people, and once you know what you're doing for the first few things, then you can go on to do it better. And the metric of doing it better is how much money you can steal. Mm. So there's lots of uh, small safes and boxes that you can open with little bundles of fake cash and jewels and coins and things in them. Mm. And you're trying to sweep them all into a bag and then get out. Um, we ended up getting out with 1.7 million, something like that. Yeah, something like that. 
the and record was 5.4 or something like that mm-hmm. by way of comparison. And yes. they said that the average for a first timer is about 1 million. Yes. So we did, we were pretty happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did fine. Yes. We did fine. We did fine. We did fine. And it's also recommended that you do it with more than two people. So I mm. think we did it. We, we did well to uh, do it with two people. Yes. So we go into the room and it's dark. And the first thing we need to do is turn on the lights. Mm. And um, we have some torches, which is very helpful. And we also have recordings of Nikki. In the briefing, we were told that he would only say certain things once. And so we needed to listen to him. But whenever we did, he was sort of on this stream of consciousness. Let's say that every one in three recordings was actually helpful to the room. Mm. Like saying that there's a a quick time event where Mm. you need to do something right now. Yes. Um, And the others are sort of ruminations on films and philosophy and things, which in other circumstances would have been charming. But with the pressure that we were under, I found kind of grating. Mm. And and I radioed the operators to ask if they could turn him off, to which they said no. No, because there there were some points where we did need him. He did save us from things that you might expect to encounter when robbing a bank. The bank ghosts. The bank ghosts, yes. The bank ghosts. Mm. Similarly, sometimes we'd get a call over our walkie-talkie from the operators at the same time as Vinny was saying something, Mm. and uh, my brain just sort of was ripped into trying to solve both both those things at once. Yeah, I think they mustn't have known when Nikki was speaking because there were a few occasions where they would be speaking on top of each other, and it was... It was hard because the briefing had said, listen to Nikki, yeah. and then they were distracting us from Nikki. <laughs> and the the things that Nikki was saying were funny and charming, mm. and the things that the people were saying over the radio were actually helpful. Mm. It's just when they were both happening at once, it was hard to divide your attention. Yes, yes. Let's turn our attention to the puzzles yes. in the room, because there are a few things to talk about here. Yes, I... Uh... I think the first thing I interacted with was something that I wasn't supposed to, and that made it worse for our characters. And so that kind of um, shut me down in terms of investigating other things in the room. And so we had to get help turning the lights on. Mm. And then we had to get help opening the first door. And... I feel like we were helped too readily. Like, I felt like I was um, being led along by the hand instead of being nudged in the right direction. Yeah, I I definitely appreciated that they wanted us to do well, especially because we were two people doing it for the first time, where Mm. I've seen on their social media that there are, like, groups of six or eight who have done it for the second or third time or something like that. Yes. So I really appreciated that they wanted to help us. Mm. I think the distinction for me is that they, uh, you, escape rooms are enjoyable when they're challenging, I think, but not frustrating. Yes. And that's a fine line to walk. Yes. And there were parts of this room that I personally found a little frustrating, Mm. um, but 
the solution to that isn't to dip the difficulty down so it stops being challenging. Mm. You want to sort of put it down to being challenging and then solvable. Yes. And I feel like some of the hints we got here were sort of like, here is exactly what to do step by step. Yes. They they gave us the answers instead of clues. Yes. And it's interesting that you felt shut down by that first thing that you basically got told off for playing with. Mm. And I, I can see that there's like humour in um, that you pressed this thing and an alarm went off. Yeah. But sort of being told off for touching the first thing that you touch trains you don't look for stuff yeah. in the room. Yeah. Um, I was working on a puzzle in the first room and then as soon as we got into the second room, I found the thing that helped us solve that. Mm. Um, but it looked like it was a thing that had six components to it. Yeah. We were supposed to realise that one of them shouldn't be there and take it out to fit it into something that was a five-digit code. Mm. And to me, that felt unfair because there were so many six-digit things that if you see a six-digit thing, your impulse is to try it on all the six-digit things. This is a hard escape room. So you're probably not going to play it as your first escape room. You probably have some experience in escape rooms. And one of the things that our experience has given us is looking for lengths of codes. That's one of your first clues about where a code goes. And so if we see a code that is apparently six digits, we're not going to think, oh, this isn't right. This is going to be five digits and cut one off. We're going to think, oh, there are plenty of six-digit codes in the next room. Let's just try and brute force it. Yeah, and when and when it doesn't fit into one of them, your mm. instinct is, oh, well, there's going to be a six-digit thing later, later that we can apply mm. it to, not I need to take one of the digits out. The thing that it reminds me of is in cryptic crosswords, there's, a, there's only usually one layer of clue that you need to work in. So if something says um, confused dog, for instance, you're going to try and find an anagram of dog, not... Uh, realise that dog also means hound and then try and do an anagram of hound. Mm. And so this felt this this puzzle felt like one layer too much. Yes. That's my opinion on that. There were some really nice puzzles in the room mm. um, that uh, involved sort of very straightforward lateral thinking mm. that we should have got earlier, like the, moving the n from one to the other. Yes. Um, the, the thing with the was quite nice I think once we got that yes we got stuck looking for codes because yeah. we got into the second room and uh, much like Zolkin which is the other room that we've done at this establishment um, I found a notebook with uh, lots of handwritten clues in it yes yes and I was like well that was incredibly important in the last room we did here and so we got stuck into that for about 10-15 minutes uh, yeah it was a decent while yeah and we'd found clues that corresponded with that and it was quite kind of um dry code breaking and after that 10-15 minutes i was thinking oh god i hope this isn't it I hope this isn't the whole room. Well, we were. I think we were led to believe that partly because in the Tsolkien room there was a code book that was very useful. Mm. In the utter graziness room there was a code book that was very useful. Mm. Um, 
And also in both of those, you used everything in the book. Yes. And so that's one part of it. But also you go into this second room and it's full of safes and safety deposit boxes, Mm. some of which have codes, some of which have keys. And so you're looking at this and you're thinking, okay, this is the whole room. And so you're seeing that there's all this detail in this book and all these boxes that need to be opened. And you start thinking like, okay, it, it's going to be sort of wordy riddle solving mm. um, for the rest of the room. And so we spent a decent chunk of time looking at that because we thought that was the rest of the room. Yes. And when, like, I was starting to think it was strange because it's really not an activity that two people can do together. Yes. It's like, it, it's really not an activity that eight people could do together, like two at a push. Mm. And even then it was a bit squishy. Um, and so because we were so focused on that because we thought it was going to be the rest of the room, I think we didn't do the sort of like exploration that we could have done mm. otherwise. Yeah. And there were a couple of things that we forgot about. Like there was a and we'd found two of the and put them on the and then forgotten about them instead of thinking, oh, there must be more and this must be something that we will need to look at. And so we only went back to that when we were given an unsolicited hint, uh, which of which we got a few. I think you're jonesing to go to Hinterland. Is is that okay? Can yeah, we go that's to okay. Let's go. To, hey, it's okay. We can go to Hinterland. Oh, cool. I'll buy you some fairy floss while we're there. Oh, thank you. Okay, off we go. If there's a clue you don't understand, come with me to Hinterland. Let's talk about the hints. I think there's a really interesting thing going on with hints oh, yeah. in, in this room. Yeah, in the briefing, I got really excited. I thought this is like the Tolkien hint system, but it's diegetic. Do you maybe want to recap what the escapist hint system is for people who haven't listened to the Tolkien episode? Oh, yes. Um, So in general, the hint system for escapist is you can buy a hint with three minutes of your time. Mm -hmm. If you have 10 minutes to go and you're stuck, you can sell three minutes and you'll have seven minutes and a hint. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the difference for this one is that you are paying money out of your booty to don't look at me like that that's what you call it it's booty okay f- fine i'll choose a different do word do you like big booty i i'll i'll pick a different word so you're paying money out of your bum hole <laughs> thank you thank you um out of the money that you've found the operator will pick a price mm. for a hint so the operators were very generous in offering us some free hints because we were two people doing it and it was mm-hmm. our first time mm-hmm. doing it and it was our <laughs> first time and so we only ended up paying for one hint yes because sometimes we would ask for a hint sometimes they would see that we were stuck and offer us a hint out of the blue and so there's a really interesting decision to be made there about how much are we willing to lose mm. for a hint and it also gives the operator a lot of flexibility to be able to name a price for the hint. Yes. So I think our hint was $30,000 maybe? Three bundles of cash? Yeah, because 
most of the money came in stacks of $10,000. And we also found some gold bars, um, some jewellery, some, some coins. Bitcoin. They, they were just coins. Yeah. <laughs> they did have a B on them, but... They look like they they were just coins. They they were just coins. We didn't get paid in real Bitcoin. Sadly. Sadly. <laughs> sadly. Does anybody have thirty Bitcoin? <laughs> um, Please. Probably not. No. Just not even among our listeners. Like mm. I don't think anyone has thirty Bitcoin. Oh, I want thirty Bitcoin. Okay. I'll settle for ten Bitcoin. Um We only paid for one hint. Yeah. Yeah. Because we got a lot of free hints. Mm. And so we we did ask for a few of them when mm. we were stuck on a specific thing. Yes. And we did get given some unsolicited. Mm-hmm. And they, they were useful hints, but there was something about the fact of being given them without asking for them. It felt like it took the, the challenge out of it. Again, the intention I really appreciated. Yes. The, the way maybe we weren't in the right mood to receive it. Because we did have a snack. Um, we had a snack, you guys. Yeah. yeah. Ma- maybe it wasn't enough of a snack. I only had a mini pie. Maybe I should have had a full pie. I had a small piece of fudge and a coffee, but I wasn't. I did not go into the room hungry. No. No. Wasn't hungry. Maybe this. This is pure vanity. But we wore super cute outfits. Yeah, we dressed like thieves. Yeah. So um, check check our Instagram at Escape Hamilton to see a photo of us dressed like thieves. Yeah, we we looked so cute, and we even had matching lipstick on. And we went to all the drama of arriving in normal clothes. Yes. Going to the bathroom and changing, and then coming back. Yeah. And um, you the there is some precedent for that. The escapists are the most theatrical escape room in Hamilton. Yeah. And so we thought, hey, they'll be on board for some hijinks. And maybe it was a busy day for them. Maybe they see this all the time. Maybe. But we just got no reaction from them. Yeah. And I think, like, this podcast isn't therapy. No. It's not therapy. No. But... I wanted the validation of them going, nice job. Yeah. That's an interesting thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Just just any kind of like, oh, <laughs> you put on lipstick. Yeah. Just eat anything. I, I had a complete costume change. Yeah, you, you know? did. It was impressive. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, maybe we were on the back foot from the beginning. From the gecko. Going back to the puzzle design, mm. we talked about how we got stuck on trying to solve all the wordy, papery riddles for some of the lockboxes. The first thing we did after that when we asked for a hint or got given a hint, I can't remember. (laughs) I think we got given a hint. I think they'd seen that we'd gotten fixated on this book and um, they wanted us to do the first thing that really unlocked the secrets of the room. Yeah, there were lots of sort of bigger things to play with that weren't solving these small lockboxes. And this was the first element that um, started us on that journey because they were all interlinked in a way. And it was a small thing down in the corner. And, you know, that's okay. That's fine. But it's just not something that we were looking for. And that's on us. But also it was sort of weirdly placed mm. and and it didn't make sense within the logic of the room that it should be there. Yeah. Now that I think of it, they took us through the room after it had finished 
And there were a lot of things under chairs yeah, and under, under desks. desks and things hidden away. And I, th- I think, honestly, that's legitimate. Yes. I, I think... I, I think it's legitimate placing of stuff. It's just not something that we'd experienced that much before. Because mm. most of the time, this is a conversation that we've had before about do you train your players to look under everything and tear everything apart and find everything? Mm. Or do you train them that the things that they will need will be in front of them? It's just a matter of joining the dots properly. Yes. And and this felt like it needed people to search. Yes. Whereas... I had sort of gone in with the opinion that it wasn't going to be as much of a searching and tearing things apart. Yeah, I agree. Um, The other room we'd done at this establishment was very much a joining the dots type of room. Except for one puzzle that required you to pull things apart right at the end, which we also struggled with. Yes. And maybe that's one of the things that will happen if you have six or eight people in the room, is that if four people are solving puzzles, the other two to four people can be just looking at everything to try and find all the other spots where clues might be. Yes. In fact, this is probably a good room for people with a diverse range of skill levels because there will be people who are new to escape rooms who don't understand the kind of mindset to get into but will think, oh, I'm looking for clues. Of course I'll look under a chair. Of course I'll look under a desk. And when you're a little bit more experienced, that instinct to look where things are usually hidden gets kind of bogged down with other more, oh, I'm going to look at this drawing on the wall Mm. and connected with the drawing on the desk Mm. type thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if we personally will go back and do this room again, Mm. partly because of the sort of psychological associations I have (laughs) with it now, but also we have so many rooms to do. We We have so many rooms to do. Yes. I mean, I think if I can take a work excursion to this room, we might, it might be good because there are a lot of people at my work who've never done escape rooms before. Mm -hmm. And so... They would be looking under the chairs and looking in the corners. and Yeah. Yeah. If we did it again, I, I think I would enjoy it more the second time round because I would know not to focus so much on those wordy little problems mm. and we would have more time to get through the rest of the stuff, which was more uh, varied in its puzzle type. Yes, it was more escape room-esque. Yeah, yes. rather than sitting down and solving a big book of riddles. Yes. Do you want to get to the elephant in the room? The end? Yes, let's talk about the way things ended. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we weren't trying to get out of this room. We were trying to get as much money as we could before the hour of the room was up. And we got a five-minute warning before our hour was up. Mm -hmm. And then I set a timer on my phone for four minutes. Yes, and just after you set that four-minute timer, we found another clue, yeah. which unlocked a huge amount of booty, the the booty. biggest booty that you ever did see, a big, luscious, bouncing booty. Yeah, um, nice round number. Yes. And so we frantically worked getting all this stuff uh, into our bags, and then the timer went off, and I was like, get the bags, get our jackets and coats yes, and scarves and stuff and get out. Yeah, and so we stepped out of the door. 
Um, I distinctly remember turning around and looking back into the room and seeing it go black and there being black and red flashing lights. And I thought, oh, interesting. And I was kind of expecting somebody to meet us in the hallway. Yeah, blue and red. Yeah. There's a siren. Um, yeah. So I, I think I was like two seconds behind you mm. and so I was still in the room and must have tripped some sort of motion sensor I when you were out. I don't think you were. Okay. I, I remember us being in the hallway. The door was still open, which is mm -hmm. why we saw the lights go dark. And I remember looking at the door thinking, should I tell him to close it? And then thinking, where's the attendant? And so I just sort of wandered into the common area with this big bag of money. And uh, then the attendant came to meet us and she had this, oh, don't want to be the bearer of bad news kind yeah. of look on her face. And so our euphoria at getting out yeah. was suddenly stopped with this like, oh, we didn't actually get out. And, and at the time I said, wait, I'm quite sure we were outside of the room when the lights turned off and they said, no, you weren't. And so I wanted to keep fighting, but then I thought, no, it's just a game, let it go. <laughs> and so I was trying to work through all of these feelings when she was like, let me take you back into the room and show you all the ways that you fucked up. <laughs> she didn't say that. That's no, not but fair. That's not fair, but... I, you know, I was trying to work through my feelings and that's how I felt. <laughs> yeah. 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 And kudos to them. They said that we would have to have the sign that said we got caught and uh, I managed to talk them into letting us bribe them with 5% of our booty. Yeah. In order to get the, um, we escaped with X amount. They got a handful of booty. Yeah. They got a handful of our booty. And they said that it was a standard thing that everyone gets one free hint on something that they got stuck on for the next time that they come in, which I think yes. is a very clever strategy to get Reel people them back in. coming yeah. back again. Um, um, but we just weren't in the mood for that. No, no. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm quite competitive. So when I lose, I just need a minute to feel my feelings. Yeah. And I wasn't given that minute. Yeah. Mm. Also... Ultimately, and this comes back to a sort of like ethics of business thing. Mm. So I think really, if it was like a second between us winning or not, mm. it doesn't really matter to them no. if we win or not. And so if we, if we were like a second out, if I was running that business, I would fudge the numbers and say, congratulations, you did it. You got out by the skin of your teeth. Mm. Or like if I was in the room when you got out, then I, I would say that like that I'd thrown you the bag and you got away mm. and then picked me up from prison a year later in your convertible yeah, or something like that. Um, but by making it a, a hard and fast thing, the, the adrenaline that we'd built up from frantically packing things into the bag and getting out as quick as we could sort of turned into disappointment mm. pretty quickly. Having said all that, we will go back to Escapist. Oh, of course. Um, because... They are nice people. Their rooms are well-designed. And they're a delightful little independent business. And also, by the terms of this podcast, the legal agreement that we signed with Anchor.fm and all the major podcast distributors, we have to do all of the escape rooms in Hamilton. Even though we didn't tackle this room the best way we could have, uh, escapists are still uh, 
uh, and that's not a fair thing to say. I don't want to play favorites. Um, I still in, I still enjoy uh, escapists' approach and philosophy, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to coming back to doing some of their other rooms. Me too. I just think this was my cigar lounge. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Go listen to our episode, Cigar Lounge. Yeah, to hear me whinging. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, to, to me here, not whinge. <laughs> so speaking of our overall opinions of the room, mm. Kirsty, what would you rate this room out of five? I would rate this room... Okay, I think I need to do the thing where we rate the room and we rate our experience of mm-hmm. the room. Um, so I would rate the room itself four Bitcoin mm-hmm. out of five, and I would rate my experience of the room a two and three quarters Bitcoin out of five. I have a slightly narrower range of opinions. I'm going to rate the room 3.75 bankers cigars and my experience of it are three bankers cigars. Mm-hmm. Three quarters of a cigar got inhaled into my deep bank lungs. <laughs> um, that's going to do it for this episode of Escape Hamilton. You can follow us on Instagram to see our super cute heisting outfits. Please tell us our lipstick is cute, you guys. And you can tell us that uh, everything else is cute, especially our booty. Or $1.6 million of it. Um, we will talk to you next week, but now we need to go spend all this money that we've got. On spaghetti. Spaghetti. What? <laughs> Kirsty, you, you want to eat $1.6 million worth of spaghetti? Look, if you grate enough black truffle onto it, it's going to cost $1.6 million. <laughs> um, that still feels like a lot of black truffle. <laughs> Yeah, and edible gold. uh, And edibles. (laughs) Edibles, yes. A yacht on the spaghetti. Yeah, I'm going to eat spaghetti on a yacht and then eat a yacht Yacht on on spaghetti. spaghetti. Bye. Bye!